Alhamdulillah, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us the tawfiq to come and fulfill the commandment of performing Salatul Jumu'ah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send His peace and salutations upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, those who follow His way, His companions, His sahaba, His family, uh, till the day of judgment. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. As we have been saying in many different khutab before, the blessing of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam upon us is enormous. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says it in the ayah, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ Allah has done a great favor upon the believers by sending them Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is going to receive the revelation from Allah give it to them, recite it to them, teach them the kitab, teach them the wisdom, which is the hadith. And before all of this, before this huge favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everyone was in a clear state of misguidance and error. And that is exactly where we would have been without Rasulullah sallallahu And that is exactly where we are in today's time because we don't follow the way of Rasulullah sallallahu A state of error, a state of wrong. And when we follow the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when we follow his ways, when we follow his understanding, which is the Qur'an and the sunnah, the hadith, then all of these errors will come out of our lives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says also in Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 21, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, you believers have a great example in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He's an excellent example for you. In which manner? In, in ibadah, in salah? Yes, in salah. In, in other aspects of ibadah, salm, zakah, hajj? Absolutely. But more than that as well. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is more than just an example for ibadah. He is an example of how to live a good marital life. How you can be a good husband or wife. He is an example of how you can be a good businessman. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa engaged in business. He is an example of what to do in the society as a leader. He is an example of what to do in society as a follower. Before Nubuwa, he was a follower of that which was righteous. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is an example in every single way, every facet of our lives. You will find an example in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And among these blessed teachings of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is the perfection of character. In one hadith, Nabi ﷺ says, I have been sent for the, the reason of purification of your character. This is why Nabi ﷺ was sent to us. So I can perfect good character. I can teach you what it is. Without Rasulullah ﷺ, we would not know what is good, what is bad. We would engage in many different things, thinking it's good, when in reality, it's negative. When in reality, it displeases Allah. And I'll reiterate again, even in today's time, when we take Rasulullah out of the image of our lives, we take Nabi Wasallam away from our daily practice, we find that we will inevitably fall into error. And with Rasulullah Wasallam, inshallah, we will be guided, and we will know exactly what to do, how to do it, when to do it, everything will fall into place, which is exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the Qur'an when He says, Hidayah. 
When we make that dua, ihdina sirat al mustaqim. Every time we read Surah Fatiha, the middle ayah, ihdina sirat al mustaqim, guide us to the straight path. That straight path is the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The path of Muhammad is the straight path. So if we veer off of that course, if we veer off the path of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we will inevitably fall into wrong. This is the crooked path. And if we follow the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then we're on the straight path, the surat mustaqim. Among these various teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam are things that we definitely have to incorporate in our daily lives every time we open our mouths. What I'm referring to is beautification of speech. As a Muslim, it is not only preferred that we beautify our speech, it is a commandment. As a believer, as a Muslim, we are not allowed bad speech, profanity, vulgar language. This is not in our vocabulary. This is not in our character development system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made for us. In various ahadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he talks about this. His own demeanor was such that he always had the best of speech. He always had the best character. In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, do you know upon whom the fire will not affect which person is such that the fire of Jahannam will not affect this person. They'll be safe from the fire of Jahannam. So the Sahaba said, Allahu wa Rasuluhu a'lam. We don't know. Allah and His Messenger, you, you know best. So he said, qareeb. The fire of Jahannam will avoid, they will be free from the fire of Jahannam. Those who are soft-hearted, who are kind, and who make things easy for people. Those who have pure speech, soft-hearted individuals, not hard-hearted, not vulgar, not using profanity in their speech. In another narration, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلُّ يُحِبُّ السَّهْلَ الطَّلِقِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes the individual who has a kind demeanor and who is continuously smiling. And of course we know a person will not smile unless it reflects the condition of their heart. A smile indicates that the heart is happy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes those individuals. He loves those individuals who have an easy temperament. They do not get angry very quickly. And they, they exude this, this happiness. And it's infectious. And other people take that from them as well. In another narration, Al-Miqdam bin Shuraih narrates from his father, who narrates from his grandfather. He said, I said, O oh Rasulullah, Dullani ala amalin yudkhiluni al Jannah. O oh Rasulullah, tell me something that I can do by which I can go to Jannah. Tell me one action. And the Sahaba were unlike us. We, we really enjoy advices because for us it's a form of entertainment. When it comes to our practice, do we find all of those advices in our practice or not? Most of the times we don't find it. But the Sahaba were different, they were the opposite. They would ask Nabi ﷺ for one thing, but they would ensure that would be part of their daily practice. This is what we need in our lives. We need change. We need practice. So this Sahabi came and he asked Nabi ﷺ, show me something that I can do that will cause me to go to Jannah. Because I want to go to Jannah. Nabi ﷺ said, إِنَّ مِنْ مُوجِبَاتِ الْمَغْفِرَةِ بَذْلُ السَّلَامُ وَحُسْنُ الْكَلَامُ Two things that you can do. If you do these two things, Allah will forgive you. And if you are forgiven, inshallah, you'll go to Jannah. Number one, Badlu salam. 
Give salam to people. When you see them, say, Assalamu alaikum. This is a thing that will cause maghfirah. How often are we missing out on this opportunity? When we see our brothers and we have the opportunity to give them salam, this is one opportunity for my sins to be wiped out. Badlul salam wa husnul kalam. And beautiful speech. When we beautify our words, when we fashion our words in such a way that it's very pure, very kind, very far from profanity and vulgarity, this is a means of forgiveness. In another narration, it says that Abdullah ibn Umar, he used to say to his son, Bunay, Inna al-birra shay'un hayyin, wajhun taliq wa kalamun layyin. He said, oh my son, goodness is something very easy to do. It's not hard to be good. He said two things, a smiling face and soft speech. This is goodness. If we have this, we have character. Inna al-birra shay'un hayyin. Birr and goodness is something very easy to attain. A happy face, a smiling face, and kalamun layin, soft speech. If we have this, we meet people with a smiling face, we are not rude to people, we do not exude this temperament of anger and cause fear in the hearts of other people. Rather, our speech is very soft and we're easily approached. This is the character of Rasulullah This is birr, this is goodness, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see in us. Now the Qur'an and Hadith speak in lengths regarding uh, the condemnation of, of profanity, uh, crude behavior, rude speech. So some various ayat I wanted to share. In Surah Al-Isra, verse 36, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقَفُوا مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ إِنَّ السَّمْعَ وَالْبَصَرَ وَالْفُؤَادِ كُلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولًا Do not pursue those things which you have no knowledge regarding. Basically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, mind your own business. If someone is doing something that doesn't revolve around you, you're not involved in that, don't go and pursue that. Someone is going through some difficulty, don't ask people unless you are going to help that person. What happened? What's going on with their family? What happened to their son, their daughter? This person is going through a divorce. What is happening? This gossip, this qil and qal that we are all involved in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not pursue those things. Why not? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the ears, the eyes, and the heart, whatever these things have perceived, Allah will question you regarding them. Whatever you heard which was not for you to hear, whatever you saw which was not for you to see, and whatever your heart has perceived, your mind has grasped, and it was not meant for you, Allah will ask you about these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, why did you pursue that? Why did you dive into this person's private affairs and find out about that? So the tongue is something that is cautioned. We are cautioned about how we utilize the tongue. In many narrations, it states that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, every morning, he would grab his tongue and he would speak to it. He would say that if you are straightened, if you do not fall into error, the rest of the body will stay away from error. And if you make a mistake, all of us are going to be punished by Allah. He used to address his limbs. And this is a form of meditation. When we address our limbs, we're talking to ourselves, we're programming our minds that today I can either slip up and earn the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or I can do something right with you today. I can smile at a person. I can say some encouraging words. 
by which I can get the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Surah An-Nisa, verse 148. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like when you speak using foul language. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like evil speech. The only thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in a, uh, you know, a concession for, If someone is undergoing some type of oppression, they may speak out about this wrong. Someone is harming me. I'm being oppressed by this person. I need help regarding this. Other than that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you should not speak out against, you should not speak about wrong things. So Muslims do speak out against wrongs. If you see a wrong happening, we should speak out against those things. Other than that, wrong things and evil speech should be out of our character. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like. We should only allow good speech to come from our tongues. In another verse, in Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِجْتَنِبُوا كَثِيرًا مِنَ إِنَّ بَعْضَ O you who believe, stay away from thinking negatively. When you see someone, automatically our minds go towards what is wrong with this person, instead of what is right. Someone is standing, performing salah, and you say, okay, he's not holding his hands nicely. He's not looking at the right place. His eyes are going from here and there. He's wearing this clothes or that clothes. Rather than the fact that this person is praying to Allah right now. He's in salah. And we're finding faults with him. This is our mindset. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want us to do. Stay away from all of these negative thoughts. These are sins. Do not utilize the tongue incorrectly. Do not spy on others. And do not do ghiba. Do not speak negatively of people when they're not in your presence. We, this is a command. This is haram. Ghiba is haram. We think only eating pork and swine and wine is haram. That is equally wrong when we engage in ghiba. When we speak wrong about someone when they are not there. They cannot defend themselves. And we are eating of their f- proverbial flesh. As Allah says in this ayah, أَيُحِبُّ أَحَدُكُمْ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ لَحْمَ أَخِيهِ مَيْتًا فَكَرِهْتُمُ You are doing ghiba. You're talking about your brother or your sister behind their backs. Would you like it if a piece of their flesh was cut off from their body and you were to eat this raw flesh of a human being? Would you enjoy that? Would you like to eat their laham, their flesh, human meat? Absolutely not. This is haram. It's disgusting. This is something that we've been prohibited from. But doing ghiba is like that. Doing ghiba is just like that. Why? How? What is the comparison between ghiba and eating someone's flesh? When you cut someone's flesh off of their body or when they are dead and you are feasting on their body, they cannot defend themselves. They're dead. They have no ruh anymore. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make them realize that they're being eaten. That's not the end of their life. We know once a person is placed in the grave, the soul comes back in. Although it's a different type of life. This person is watching you and you are feasting on their corpse. They cannot do anything. They are in difficulty. They're defenseless. When we're alone, when we're in our majalis and our gatherings sometimes, and we're speaking about a person that's not there, who is there to defend that person at that time? Who is there to say that this is wrong? We should not speak bad about this person. Yet at that time, we enjoy so much speaking about that person who's defenseless, just like that corpse has no one to defend it. And we're feasting on that corpse. 
This is exactly what we're doing. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. Would you like to eat a corpse? A rotting, dead body. It's exactly what you're doing spiritually. Your soul is eating the corpse of this person. Every time you do ghibah. And this is haram, absolutely impermissible. We need to put things into perspective. None of us would go next to pork or, or wine or all of these haram things. But when it comes to ghibah, we're doing it left and right all of the time. We don't have this, this realization that what's happening is wrong. Scholars also state that not only doing ghibah, saying those words is haram, listening to it as well is haram. A, a believer does not surround themselves around negativity. So what do you do? When someone's doing ghibah and you're listening, there's a few options. One is get up and leave. Get up and leave. It seems very difficult. I have a friend actually who puts this into practice. The first step is to, to clarify that wrong. Either you say blatantly, this is wrong, we're doing ghibah. We need to stop this. If you're brave enough, you can say that. Or you can change the conversation. You can say, okay, let's talk about something else. In a way where the person who's doing ghibah is not realizing. So you can change it with your tongue. You can physically get up and leave. As I was mentioning, I have a friend. I've seen this many times. People start doing ghibah, he'll just get up and walk away. And then they'll realize, Wait, what did I do wrong? Did I offend him? Yes, you did. You engaged in ghibah, he doesn't want to be involved in the haram, so he got up and left. It is haram to listen to ghibah, not just to, to actually engage in ghibah actively. And if we cannot do that, you're forced in a situation that you cannot get up and leave, nor can you speak out. You must hate it, abhor it, have disgust for it in your heart. Rather, the reality is, we all enjoy it. When ghibah is taking place, the, 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 the ears perk up. We get really happy. We want to listen to it. Gossip is entertaining. Understand that whatever Allah has made haram for us is naturally entertaining to us. Iblis will make it such. He'll want you to listen. He'll get you excited about it. Otherwise, what's the difficulty? What's the test here? The test is you're going to enjoy the ghibah. You're going to enjoy slander. You're going to enjoy talking about people. But yet you have to take a step back. You have to get away from that. So there's various ayat in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of this. Also in the hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa speaks about this in Lent. Another verse regarding ghibah and, and slander. There's a long passage in Surah An-Nur regarding the, all of this about slander. And is specifically talking about our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. It's extremely long hadith, one of the longest ahadith that you'll find in Sahih al-Bukhari and the other books as well, about the slander against Aisha radiallahu anha. I'm not going to go into details regarding that. And inshallah, one day we can talk about what happened with Aisha radiallahu anha. Of course, she is pure from all of that. She's a siddiqah. So the daughter of Siddiq and herself is a siddiq. She never went towards anything wrong in her life. But the munafiqeen and those who had hatred for Islam spread rumors regarding her. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exonerated our mother Aisha radiallahu anha from these false allegations. In the Qur'an, he talks about this. And why is it important for us? Because we engage in this as well. We speak about people regarding things that we are not sure of. We aid in spreading the rumors against other individuals. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about this? Of course, it's specifically talking about Aisha radiallahu anha, but indirectly talking about all of us as well. إِذْ بِأَلْسِنَتَكُمْ وَتَقُولُونَ بِأَفْوَاهِكُمْ مَا لَيْسَ لَكُمْ بِهِ عِلْمٍ 
وَتَحْسَبُونَهُ هَيِّنَا وَهُوَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَظِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the individuals who were involved in instigating this affair, this information. He says, remember the time when your tongue said what you did not truly understand? You said with your mouth what your knowledge did not encompass. You didn't know the reality of the matter. But you got a rumor, someone said something juicy, and you spread it. Remember that time? You thought it was very light. You thought it was okay, it's just some juicy information. This is what's occurring. You guys heard what's happening. Oh, this is what's happening with her. She did this and this. This is what people are saying. And you're spreading it. You're adding fuel to the fire. You think it's light. This is extremely grand and a very severe affair according to Allah. You thought you did something small. You fell into the depths of Jahannam in the eyes and sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues, وَلَوْلَا إِذْ سَمِعْتُمُوهُ قُلْتُمْ مَا يَكُونُ لَنَا أَنَّ نَتَكَلَّمَ بِهَذَا سُبَحَانَكَ هَذَا بُهْتَانٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is what you did. You heard this rumor and you spread it. You thought it was light, but it was not. Why didn't you instead say, مَا يَكُونُ لَنَا أَنَّ نَتَكَلَّمَ بِهَذَا We have no right to talk about this. It's none of my business. Why didn't you say it's none of your business? You should say, Subhanaka, هَذَا بُهْتَانٌ عَظِيمٌ This is a huge allegation. I don't want to get involved in this. You should have stepped away. This is the advice of Allah. Why didn't you do that? When you heard that rumor, when you heard that juicy information, when you heard that person talking about things that you wanted to get engaged in, why didn't you take that step back? Why didn't you say, wow, this is really a huge allegation. I don't know if this is true or not. Even if it is true, it's none of, none of my business. I'm going to step away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَعِذُكُمُ اللَّهِ أَن تَعُودُ لِمِثْلِهِ أَبَدًا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Allah advises you strongly, sternly, that you ever go back to doing something like this again, if you are true believers. If you have iman, you will never do this again. This was advice regarding some of the sahaba that were involved unknowingly in spreading these rumors that were started by the munafiqeen. When they heard these ayat, they stopped. They didn't realize. They didn't understand. They were at fault. Some of the Sahaba were involved. Of course, Allah exonerates them as well and they are forgiven. But what about you and I? How often do we hear this type of information being spread? And how often do we swallow that up and take it as 100% true and start without verification, spreading it amongst ourselves? Did you hear what that person said? Did you hear what they said? Mind your own business. This is the theme of Islam. This is what Allah wants you to do. Mind your own business. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, مِنْ حُسْنِ إِسْلَامِ الْمَرْءِ تَرْكُهُ مَا لَا يَعْنِي The beauty of a person's Islam is that they mind their own business. تَرْكُهُ مَا لَا يَعْنِي If it doesn't involve them, they leave it out. That's beautification in Islam. You want to be a beautiful Muslim? Mind your own business. What is our business? Allah. Your business is your relationship with Allah. That person's relationship with Allah is their business. You mind yours, they'll mind theirs. As long as they're not causing a ruckus and difficulty and, and hardship in society, and they are keeping that within themselves, if you hear a rumor about this, this is not our business to go into that. This is the teaching of Islam. This is what Rasulullah wants from us. So these are very stern ayat. If we understand the Arabic, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using very harsh language. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advises you, cautions you, warns you that you ever go back to something like this ever again if you say you have iman. 
If you want to go back to that, maybe you don't have iman. Now again, in, in various ahadith, Nabi sallallahu stresses this point as well. As we know, the hadith is a commentary of the Qur'an. In one hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, سِبَابُ الْمُسْلِمِ كَالْمُشْرِفِ عَلَى الْهَلَكَ Cursing a Muslim, or speaking vilely, or in a very incorrect way towards another Muslim, is like you being on the precipice of destruction. What is the precipice of destruction? Imagine you're on a cliff, and then Jahannam is right on the other side. You're standing on the edge, and you can see the fire of Jahannam. When you curse a Muslim, you're on that cliff. One wrong move, and you can fall into the depths of Jahannam. And cursing that believer is going to be that move itself. In another hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Al-mustabbani ma qala fa'ala al-badi'u minhuma hatta yata'adda al-mazloom. When two people are fighting and one person says something incorrect, when they say something out of anger, when they say a curse word, when they say something to hurt the other person, the intention is not correctness, intention is not to get to the truth, intention is I want to hurt this person because we're involved in an argument. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, the one that started the argument, they will be the one that is going to get the punishment unless the second person retaliates. If someone curses at you, when you engage in that affair, then both of you are wrong. Of course, we understand in Islam, if someone does curse at you, you can only say the same thing back to them. But in this hadith, Nabi wasallam actually cautions us that you should not speak back to that person. You don't have to curse at them. One time there's a narration about Isa salam. He was walking and some of the Hawariyin, his helpers were with him. This old lady came out of her home and she started cursing at Isa salam. The Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She starts to yell at him, berate him, use all these curse words, vulgar language at him. He looks at her, he smiles and he walks away. Now the Hawariyin, his helpers are watching him. They're saying, why don't you say something back to her? And he said, she gave me what she had and I gave her what I had. She gave me those curse words, that's what's in her heart. I gave a smile, that's what's in my heart. So we only do damage to ourselves when we use vulgar language. We display to ourselves, to Allah and those around us, that my heart is impure. I have a nudges, an impure heart when these words come out of my mouth. So we have to be very careful. In Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highly cautions us against these things. In another hadith, a, a person came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And he said, Oh Prophet of Allah, الرَّجُلُ يَشْتِمُنِي وَهُوَ دُونِي عَلَيَّ مِنْ بَأْسٍ أَنْ أَنْتَصِرَ مِنْهِ He said, Oh Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Sometimes this person comes to me, he's lesser than me. I'm, I know I'm better than him. I have a authority over this person. But they curse at me. They still curse at me. They use vowel language, uh, foul language and vile language against me. Should I retaliate? So what should we do when we are approached with this? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Al-mustabbani shaytanani yatahatirani wa yatakathaban People who engage in argument, who curse at one another, they tear one another apart. There are two shaytans. Wa yatakathaban They'll start formulating lies to hurt the other one. Do not engage in argument. This is the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yes, you can. You can give back what is given to you. But how are you so sure that you're giving back exactly what was given to you? 
What if you tra- trespass the boundaries? What if you do a little bit more than you were supposed to? Is your tone the same tone? Did you use the same word? Did you use the same conjugation? Did you use it exactly as that person did? What if you added a little bit more to it? Then you're at fault. So we need to avoid this altogether. This, this, type, this foul language that we have within ourselves is against the, the teachings of Islam. Rasulullah sallallahu tells us in another hadith, what happens when you and I curse someone? <coughs> when we speak badly about someone, what happens? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reports, or Abu Darda reports that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ إِذَا لَعْنَ شَيْئًا صَعِدَةِ الْلَعْنَةُ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ When someone speaks negatively or curses someone, that curse will go to the skies. The curse itself rises to the skies. فَتُغْلَقُ أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ دُونَهُ this, the, the, the doors of the skies, Jannah has many different gates. If you do good a'mal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, that When you do good actions, it goes upward into the skies, and it goes to the different gates of Jannah. If someone curses another person, makes a dua against another person, then this curse will go to the skies. However, that curse will find the gates of Jannah being closed. ثُمَّ then this curse will have no other choice but to come back down to the earth. But then the, the gates of the, the depths of the earth are going to be closed as well. So this curse cannot go upward, it cannot go downward. It'll start going right and left, seeking where do I go? The curse, what you said, is seeking a place. Where do I go right now? If it finds no place to go, it will go to the person who is cursed. It will go to the person that you cursed. You curse this person, the curse will go up, it won't find any place, it'll go down, it'll find no place, it'll start moving around. It'll go to the person that you cursed. If they are worthy of the curse, it'll affect them. If they are not worthy of the curse, it'll come back to you. It needs to go to someone. So be cautious. When you curse someone, it could curse that person or it could curse you. In another hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, إِنَّ اللَّعْنَةَ إِذَا وُجِّهَتْ إِلَى مَنْ وُجِّهَتْ إِلَيْهِ فَإِنْ أَصَابَتْ عَلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا أَوْ وَجَدَتْ فِيهِ مَسْلَكًا وَإِلَّا قَالَتْ يَا رَبِّ وُجِّهْتُ إِلَى فُلَانٍ فَلَمْ أَجِدْ فِيهِ مَسْلَكًا وَلَمْ أَجِدْ, ولم أجد عَلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, when a curse is directed at a person, if it can get to that person, if there's no barriers, if that person is pious, they're making du'as, they're staying away from haram, and you curse them incorrectly, there will be barriers. And that curse will bounce off, like we say when we're children. It'll bounce off and then come back to you. It actually does that. It's mentioned in the hadith. It'll go to that person, and if it can get to that person, it will. If not, it goes and it complains. The curse will complain. It will say, Ya Rabbi, O oh my Lord, O oh Allah, I have been sent against this one person. But I have, no, I have found no way to get to that person. He doesn't deserve me. I am a curse. He's a good person. There's no way I can get to him. It will be said. Allah will have it said to the curse. Go back to where you came from. Go back to where you came from. That mouth that cast you. Oh, curse, go back and affect that person. So every time we curse a person, we have to think twice. 
This is not like a bullet from a gun that will just go wherever I point it. That bullet can come back to me. It's more of a boomerang. These curses that we cast to people. I want to share some stories, inshallah, and we'll conclude. Imran ibn Hussein says, بَيْنَمَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ one time Nabi was traveling, many of the Sahaba were with him. There was this one lady, she was on her camel. This camel was annoying her. It wasn't traveling fast enough, it was having some problems. So this lady cursed the camel. She cursed the camel. She said something negative towards that camel. Nabi heard this. And he said, Take all of your belongings that's on this camel, take it off of the camel, let the camel go. That is a cursed camel. No cursed camel is going to come with me. Imran bin Hussein, he says, I still remember that day. This lady was walking around. No one was helping her. She cursed at the camel. She got off the camel and that camel was set free. And she had to walk the rest of the way. This is the teaching of Nabi Wasallam. Do you think that lady ever cursed again? After having this teaching from Rasulullah In another hadith, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, he said, we once, we once came to a place with Rasulullah and there was a lot of fleas and mosquitoes and these bugs and they were biting us. So we started cursing at them. Nabi says, do not curse at the flea. It is a great animal. It makes you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at the, the, the thought process of Rasulullah If something bothers him, he thinks about Allah. What do we say when we're in difficulty? إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبًا قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Allah says in the Qur'an, the believers are those who when any difficulty comes their way, they say, indeed we are from Allah, we're going back to Allah. Oh Allah, give me patience. Allahumma afriq alayna sabra. Oh Allah, make us patient in these difficult times. This is what we think of when we're in difficulty. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying that this flea and this mosquito has bit you, has caused you difficulty. Your mind should have been trained enough to think about Allah at this moment. Rather the najasa of your heart is such that you started cursing that flea. Our hearts are impure and this is why we exude this impurity to others. In one more narration, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that uh, actually Amr bin al-As, he went to visit his aunt. And his aunt, she cursed at the, the, the slave girl. And so Amr bin al-As said that you cursed her with something that she didn't do. Did she really do this? And his aunt said, no, she didn't. So Amr ibn Aaz said, I heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa saying that if someone curses at someone and calls them a foul word, then on Yawm al-Qiyamah, this person will get their revenge and they will hit that person and get that revenge back from them. So this is the teaching of Islam regarding perfection of our alfaz and our words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بِئْسَ الْإِسْمُ الْفُسُوقُ بَعْدَ الْإِيمَانِ how bad is it that you speak negatively after I've given you the gift of Islam? After I've given you the gift of Iman, how bad is it that your tongue is used for that? Our tongues are meant for the dhikr of Allah. Our tongues are meant for salam. Our tongues are meant for the language of the people of Jannah. We are different than the people that we see around us. We are not to be involved in these types of negative speech. What do we do? A very quick cure, I know I've passed the time limit. Number one, we need to be cognizant. We need to observe our language. Maybe we don't even know I'm using foul language in my day-to-day life and my interactions. We need to be aware of this. Try to pay attention. Am I someone with good and pure speech? Or do I involve myself in this haram? Number two, we need to start appreciating others. 
this bad language comes from the lack of appreciation. Like Nabi said, when that flea bit you, you were supposed to appreciate the flea. You're supposed to appreciate these things. You should think on the bright side, this is causing me to remember Allah. Now all the people that we criticize, all of the curses that we are dishing out to people, these people also have great aspects about them. They have great sifat. We need to start thinking about those. And number three, we need to make an effort to fix our ways. We need to love Nabi and his way and follow the example that he has left for us. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us this beautiful speech that Nabi was given. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to not have just the iman in our tongues when we say la ilaha illallah, but have a true heart and a true tongue that speaks like a Muslim as well. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tahdeeb in our kalam and goodness and righteousness. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala ala khiri khalqihi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Rahmatika ya rahman rahmeen.